welcome to She Thinks, a podcast where you're allowed to think for yourself. I'm your host, Beverly Hallberg, and on today's episode, it's an honor to have on U.S. Marine Corps veteran Jude Eden to discuss women and the draft. With the U.S. Senate committee approving legislation in July that would, if enacted, require women to be part of the draft, this topic is more important than ever. But before we bring her on, a little bit more about Jude. Jude Eden is an outspoken advocate of women's combat exemption. Jude Eden is a U.S. Marine Corps veteran who served in Iraq and worked entry checkpoints frisking women for explosives on the outskirts of Fallujah. In 2019, Jude, Jude testified before the National Commission on Military, National, and Public Service, which was established to examine the draft and other military issues. She has written on politics and culture with a focus on women in combat and the military draft and has appeared on TV and radio shows across the nation. And it is our honor to have her on She Thinks Today. Jude, thank you for your service and thank you for joining us. Well, thank you so much for having me. And before we get into the discussion about women in the draft, I thought I would just start by asking you about your story. What made you decide to join the Marine Corps? Um, I was um, looking to serve my country. I was interested in uh, fighting in the Iraq war. I wanted to, I joined in 2003. So uh, we were, the, the uh, Iraq war was already underway. Um, so I'm one of those people that joined after 2001. Um, I had been living in New York City when the towers were attacked. So um, I sort of felt a um, a very strong uh, impulse to um, do more than just, um, you know, think and speak about um, uh, acting for the country, I guess. Um, I, I thought it was important uh, for both us uh, as a nation and um, for those that were living under the kind of rule um, like the Taliban um, uh, in those countries where we were uh, starting to fight at that time. And we're so thankful for your service. And I think what is interesting about having you on for this conversation, and we will get to the draft, but I just want to start a, start the conversation on women in combat because you've been writing about that for a while. You were someone who was part of the Marine Corps, served this country bravely, and you have a perspective that women should not be fighting in combat roles. So first of all, explain to us just broadly your perspective. Is this based on the fact that the definition of combat role is very specific and the work that you were doing was not technically in combat? Uh, that is part of it. Uh, direct ground combat, uh, when we talk about combat roles, that is uh, those who go to close with and destroy the enemy, usually on the ground. Uh, so, uh, or not usually, that's very specifically it. So that's not combat pilots. Um, that's not uh, the Navy. That is the Army and the Marines. And um, so those roles are very specific. And, you know, there's a lot of problems with putting women in those combat units. Um, there's uh, injuries is the first and foremost. Um, women in the military already, just for doing the same training as men, um, suffer a lot more injuries. And uh, their attrition rate is a lot higher than men's. Um, and that's just because we're physiologically different. And um, that doesn't mean that women shouldn't serve in the military. We absolutely 
are an asset in many fields. But when your job is the most physical one where you have to be the strongest and the fastest and have the most endurance, um, that is not women's strength in the military and it is men's. And do you find that many of your fellow female um, Marine Corps individuals, those who are vets and those who are currently serving, do they find too that they agree with you that they very clearly saw that there is a difference between the direct combat role and the various roles that they provided and in the work that they did? Absolutely. Um, those of us who have served, and especially in the Marine Corps where, um, sort of by default, um, our basic, very basic training is, um, to support uh, the infantry and stuff like that. So we do a lot more hiking with heavy packs and that kind of thing than some of the other services for their um, basic training and their basic requirements. So when you do a lot of um, hiking with a heavy pack and um, you know that you have to cover long distances and then say do a firefight, if you are like, for example, the the standard um, infantry uh, test is a 12 mile hike with a, uh, with a pack um, and then doing, you know, direct uh, assault type training. Um, it, it puts a, it puts a heavier load on, on women than men. And so that's the re the primary reason is that we're not similarly situated to physiologically for those things. And that's why I'm always repeating that it's not an equal opportunity. Uh, many people want to talk about, hey, you know, you, you want to be equal, then um, now you've got it. You should be drafted too. Uh, but just because we're equal uh, under the law, we're treated as equals, um, we're equal in the workforce, that doesn't mean that we're all, we all have to do the same things, that men and women have to do the same things in service to the country. And um, when you're talking about combat, that makes all the difference for winning and losing. And we have had women serve in combat roles in direct combat. What does the data tell us so far as far as how effective women in those roles were and what it meant for them physically? Women tend to get injured a lot more um, for the same training. And while there are some women who have served usually attached to uh, uh, combat units, not as infantry, um, we hardly have any data on that, actually, since uh, the combat units were opened to women. And before um, 2016, when that was actually implemented, um, women were sort of in combat actions, but not as part of the, the combat units. Um, so there's a, a distinction to be made there. There are women who have served um, with honor and distinction um, with those units, but that doesn't mean that that should be the rule. Um, the, the military's responsibility, their mission is to um, be able to recruit and train a um, dependably reliable force uh, to fight the nation's enemies. And while you may have a few women who are, you know, excellent physical performers, um, that's usually the exception to the rule where it's not with men. 
And what do you say to critics of yours who have spoken out and say that you're anti-woman because you do not think that women should be in direct combat? What what do you say? And, and obviously you have a great platform because you're somebody who served in the Marine Corps. You have seen this firsthand. You are somebody who believes that women should be part of the military. So what have you said to your naysayers? Well, I just think that 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 kind of line just shows that they've lost the argument. You know, that that's not an argument on the merits um, of the argument. That's just basically an ad hominem. So it already means that they've lost and they don't have anything to back up their own argument. Well, this has moved into a new direction. As we had stated up front, there is now this push to allow women to be part of the draft or forcing women to be part of a draft. So there was a U.S. Senate committee in July that approved legislation that if it was enacted, it would require women to register for selective service alongside men. And if there was a draft, this means women would be drafted with men. Now, we haven't had a draft since Vietnam, but if this did take place, this would be the first time women were drafted in the nation's history. First of all, what do you make of all of this and how did this come about? Why is this Senate committee making this move? It's something that they've tried before. John McCain did it a few years ago, um, right after uh, they repealed women's combat exemption um, that had been part of the constitutional argument um, that since women weren't allowed to serve in the combat units, they couldn't be drafted. Um, and this is another try at that. They did not succeed um, at that time. And then they sort of deferred it by creating that um, military commission on uh, women in the draft and national service um, that was started in uh, 2016, $45 million commission. Um, and they gave their report in, in last uh, spring of 2020. Um they just try, I mean, they've actually been trying to do this since the 70s. Um, and it seems to be it's not about military readiness. It's not about a stronger fighting force. A lot of them will, uh, those proposing it will say it's about equality, uh, which, of course, it's not because uh, we're not equally uh, situated to succeed in warfare. And the purpose of the draft, um, in part, keeping the draft is is to send a signal to our peer adversaries, to our enemies, that we have a um, program in place that if we need to quickly mobilize a huge force, we will do it. We have a an infrastructure to do that, and that is the registration. And then uh, if there to reinstate the draft uh, during a a national, it's always during a national emergency and it's always to replace combat troops. Um, It's, it's not for anything else. It's for when you're in a, a massive national emergency where tens of thousands of men are dying at the, at the front lines and you need to replace them quickly. Um, So, I noticed that they never debate this openly. Um, Even the commission was not a debate. Um, I did testify along with several others to that commission. 
Um, but that was just a, I mean, if you weren't paying attention to anything like that and watching C-SPAN at that particular time, you weren't going to be following that. Um, it's very telling that they don't want to debate this publicly and have Congress vote on it. They try to put it in the NDAA um, every so often, but they never have a public debate about it. Um, and I think that's because they know that when, first of all, even without bringing up many of the points that I'm bringing up today, um, people just viscerally are opposed to having their their daughters, their sisters, their uh, mothers potentially drafted um, in when we have a national crisis. If we had something on the level of World War II or Vietnam, um, people are viscerally opposed to that. And congressional representatives would be directly responsible to their um, constituents if they were to, you know, have that public debate and de and vote on it. Instead, what they try to do is do it in behind closed doors in the Senate Armed Services Committee um, and stick it into the National Defense Authorization Act. Um, but when you when you show just the basic data, which is consistent with what everybody knows, if you are in a group of people and you drop a flag and say, okay, whoever gets the flag wins and it's a, it's a pummel, then you're going to quickly see things divided by the sexes amongst just say the first 50 people in the telephone book. The men are going to beat the women when it comes to a physical confrontation. Well, before we continue the conversation, I'd like to take a moment to highlight IWF's Champion Women Profile Series, which focuses on women across the country and world that are accomplishing amazing things. The media too often ignores their stories, but we don't. We celebrate them and bring their stories directly to you. Our current profile is Allison Ball, Treasurer of the Commonwealth of Kentucky. To check out her story, do go to IWF.org and see why she's this week's champion woman. And Jude, I'm so glad that you explained how Congress tries to bypass the debate because they know, know the debate on women in the draft would be unpopular. You talked about the the Senate Armed Services Committee putting this into the NDAA. Is that something then that we could see the draft for women happening without Congress actually voting on it? Is that a potential? And if so, how likely is that? It is a potential. Uh for certain. And when you have senators like Richard Burr, for example, who was one of, he's on uh, the, that committee, I believe. And he's, he's one of my senators um, who bring this forward and are, are taking the left wing line on the vote. It would be voted on in the Senate. Um, and I mean, <laughs> I think it's very possible that they would pass this, um, whether or not in the future the draft would actually be reinstated, you know, is is kind of anybody's guess. However, um, the people who are motivated to draft women are motivated to do like this military commission um, was examining. They want national service. Um, I think it's a way to try to get people, they would probably use it kind of like they want to for the, um, the green new deal to, you could, uh, or 
how in some schools they're trying to give credit for political activism, for uh, traditionally left-wing uh, groups and organizations, that if you're a part of that, that you can get credit for it. It's kind of along those same lines um, where they want to go toward national service for their left-wing programs. So it's not, I don't see it as particularly about the military, except that that's a way in and that's a way to <laughs> control a bunch of people um, as the military goes, um, you know, so goes the nation in, in a lot of ways. And so final question for you is for those who are listening to this and maybe are surprised by what they're hearing they they didn't realize that a draft could be something potential for their daughters. It's hard to stay on top of it when it's secret, when things are seeming to, seeming to be happening behind closed doors. What do you recommend that people do who have concerns about this? Is it contact their senators, their members of Congress, or, or is there anything else they can do? Well, absolutely. I would um, contact your senators and congressmen uh, and women and tell them to oppose drafting women. Um, you can certainly educate yourself by looking at, I mean, there's my blog, which is politicalanimalblog.com. There's um, the Center for Military Readiness is an excellent organization um, headed by Elaine Donnelly. They're at cmrlink.org, and there's tons of information uh, there on um, everything from the data on this issue, on women in combat. Um, the thing that people really need to remember is that it's not an equal rights issue. Like I said, it's not an equal opportunity when we're not physically equals and we're not physically equals. Um, we're different men and women. And so that means that it's not an equal rights issue and saying, well, you're an equal citizen. So you have to go to direct ground combat that just, um, doesn't actually make logical sense. And when women, um, even military women, are injured at much higher rates than men, um, that just means that it's going to be kind of a catastrophe if it comes to actually uh, instating the draft, uh, because you're going to have to sift through millions of women to try and find a few who will um, be able to make those bare minimums, but they'll still uh, have six to 10 times the risk of injury compared to men. So that just doesn't make sense when you need people to fill in and fight at the front. Um, so injuries is, is a big one and just uh, not be, having an equal opportunity to survive uh, in the exact situation that the draft is for, which is hand-to-hand -hand combat with men. And in our, our peer adversaries, they're not putting women in their combat units and they're not drafting women either. Uh, so that's the major thing. If we're talking about um, what an engagement we may be likely to be in, whether it would be um, China, Iran, Russia, um, none of them are, are doing this. And they don't care if we've, you know, achieved diversity metrics. Um, they're, they're, they want to be as lethal as possible. And I think that we should, too. I think you said something really key there, and that is women do not have the equal opportunity to survive if they're in direct combat. To me, that's the crux of the message, and we thank you so much for bravely sharing that message and for also serving our country. Jude Eden, thank you so much for your time today. 
Oh, thank you. It was a pleasure. And thank you for joining us. Before you go, Independent Women's Forum does want you to know that we rely on the generosity of supporters like you. An investment in IWF fuels our efforts to enhance freedom, opportunity, and well-being for all Americans. Please consider making a small donation to IWF by visiting iwf.org backslash donate. That is iwf.org backslash donate. And last, if you enjoyed this episode of She Thinks, do leave us a rating or a review on iTunes. It does help. Also, we'd love it if you shared this episode and let your friends know where they can find more She Thinks episodes. From all of us here at Independent Women's Forum, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.